Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My name is Dakota, and I am a Native American, member of the Ojibwe tribe. I grew up on the reservation, surrounded by the dense forests of the Northwoods. But the woods were never as terrifying as the night I had an encounter with an unknown predator. It was a chilly autumn evening, and I was walking home after a long day of fishing. I had just reached the edge of the woods when I heard a strange sound behind me. I turned around to see a creature like nothing I had ever seen before. It was tall and thin, with glowing eyes and a mouth full of razor-sharp teeth. Its fur was matted and covered in dirt, and its breath smelled of death. I tried to run, but the creature was too fast. It chased me through the woods, its footsteps pounding the ground like thunder. I could feel its hot breath on the back of my neck, and I knew that I was about to be torn apart. Somehow, I managed to stumble back to my camp. My tribe could see the fear in my eyes, and they knew that something was wrong. I told them about the creature I had seen, and they listened intently. It was then that I learned the truth, this was not the first time our tribe had encountered the predator. Over the years, there had been many sightings of the creature in the woods. Some claimed it was a Wendigo, while others thought it was something even more sinister. Our tribe had always tried to find the predator, but it always seemed to elude us. As I recovered from my encounter, I began to research the predator. I discovered that it was not a natural creature, it was the result of a government experiment gone wrong. The predator had been created in a lab, using a combination of science and magic. Now, 
I am on a mission to find the predator and put an end to its reign of terror. I am not alone in my quest, my tribe has joined forces with other native communities to take down the predator once and for all. We know that this will not be an easy task, but we are determined to protect our people from the unknown predator that lurks in the deep woods. As we traveled deeper into the forest, I could feel the weight of the unknown pressing down on me. Our weapons felt inadequate against this creature, whatever it may be. Suddenly, we heard a sound that could only be described as inhuman, and we knew it was close. We readied our weapons and waited, but the predator never appeared. We searched for hours, but found nothing. It was like the creature had vanished into thin air. As we returned to our camp, I couldn't shake the feeling that there was more to this than just a simple predator. There was something strange in the air, a feeling of unease and fear that seemed to emanate from the very forest itself. It wasn't until we returned to our tribe and shared our story that we learned the truth. The government had been conducting experiments in the forest, trying to harness the power of the supernatural for their own gain. They had unleashed a force they couldn't control, and now it roamed free in the forest. It was a being of magic and darkness, a creature that was beyond our understanding. We knew that we had to act fast if we were to stop it before it destroyed everything we held dear. The next day, we set out once more, this time armed with knowledge and determination. We knew that we were up against something far greater than ourselves, but we also knew that we could not back down. We traveled deeper into the heart of the forest, guided by the magic of our ancestors, and finally, we found it. The creature stood before us, a being of pure darkness, a force of nature that defied all explanation. We fought with all our might, our weapons clashing against its inhuman form, but it was like fighting a shadow. It moved too fast, too fluidly, and we couldn't keep up. It was only through the power of our magic that we were finally able to drive it back, to send it back to whatever dark realm it had come from. We returned to our tribe, battered and bruised but victorious, knowing that we had protected our land and our people from a force that was beyond our comprehension. And even as we celebrated, I knew that the forest would never be the same again, that the echoes of the unknown predator would haunt us for years to come. I have worked many different jobs in my lifetime, starting as a janitor. I worked on a farm for about two years at one point, later as a PE teacher in a high school. I was even an officer before eventually moving to New Jersey and eventually getting a job as a park ranger in the Pine Barrens. I'd moved to New Jersey to be closer to my family. The job didn't seem to be hard, I'd work four days a week, and I would spend all my time in the park. The other three would be my days off. Now, I haven't worked for the park for a very long time, and I'm about to tell you why. I think I lasted a year, and maybe even less than that. I had a series of very strange things happen to me there, and the final straw made me quit my job as soon as I got the chance. So, I began working at Pine Barrens in April of that year. I was introduced to the job and the park by the park services. The place is humongous, it stretches over the area that is 22% of New Jersey. My job was to patrol a certain area, make sure everything was in order. If you've ever visited the Pine Barrens, you would know that abandoned buildings and towns are scattered throughout the park. I would clock in on a Tuesday, work through the Friday, and Saturday through Monday. The first couple of weeks went smooth, I was getting familiar with the woods and my route. The third week was when my first spooky experience happened. It was Thursday evening, I was going my regular route. The park was buzzing with nature sounds. There were no people anywhere that I'd run into that day. I know that sometimes kids like to wander the park at night looking for ghosts or just a secluded place to hang, but I had not seen any of them either. I was taking little mental notes of my surroundings, and I noticed the humming and buzzing. I couldn't tell where it was coming from at first. I looked around for a few minutes, and still, nothing. The noise was beginning to get closer, which is when I realized it was sneering me from above. I looked up and saw three bright lights moving in a circle almost as if they were spiraling down towards me. Instinctively, 
I ducked and ran as fast as I could. It probably ran for a couple of hundred feet before turning around to see the lights were still there. They were not. There was no humming now either. I dropped to the ground trying to gather my composite and catch my breath. I also tried to make sense of what had happened five minutes prior. I do believe in aliens, even though I never had an encounter before. I had no clue what else that could have been, so I kind of been in agreement with myself. Those were aliens, and I wouldn't think about that anymore. And it was okay for a while. My second experience happened about five months after I began working in the park. I was again going on my regular route. It was now about 7 PM, and at this point, since it was October, the sun was getting very low in the sky, and it was getting dark. The route was clear, everything seemed to be in order until I noticed something lurking behind the trees about a hundred yards away from me. At first, it looked like a person, and maybe a man about 5'7". I thought it might have been some college kid playing a prank, trying to scare me. I saw his shoulder peeking behind a tree. I yelled out that nobody is allowed to be in the woods, the slate in this time of year. He didn't move. Only after I shouted the third time, he had finally moved in front of the tree. I could take a good look at him. When I saw him, I nearly had a heart attack. He was dressed in dirty, torn up clothing, but the most disturbing thing about him was his head, or lack of one I should say. I looked at him not knowing if I should ask what he was, what happened to him, or just bolt out of there as fast as I could. I did neither for a solid three minutes. I froze, even though I noticed he had begun moving closer to me. He started running up to me, as he was getting closer, I realized he was also translucent. This was a poltergeist. Now when it comes to an alien, I'm a believer. When it comes to ghosts, however, I was very skeptical and sarcastic at times that anybody would talk about ghosts or demons or any alleged paranormal activity. I moved to the right a couple of steps as he was running straight at me, and he just vanished. I turned around to see where he had gone, but there was no trace of him, only a vapory trail of mist, just what looked like a cloud of dust almost settling. After that second incident, I decided that all my love for nature in the outdoors, and as much as I loved being a ranger, staying here was not worth it. This hot mess of a place was not worth me going literally insane for. Trying to keep working there, I called in the next day and explained the situation. They told me that something like this had already happened for their previous rangers. They tried to convince me to stay on the job for longer and doubled my pay, but I refused. I would not risk losing my own mind. This is a Bigfoot encounter told to me by my grandfather. It happened in the early fall of 1938. He and his friends did a backpacking trip to a small remote lake near Mount St. Helens. They did this annually. One year they even summited the volcano during their yearly camping trip. This particular year there were five of them. The hike end took a couple of days back then. There weren't as many dirt roads built as there are now. They chose late summer and early fall when the berries were in season and the fish were usually biting well because they did not want to pack much food. It helped to lighten the load of their heavy backpacks. My grandfather was a little over 20 years old during this backpacking trip. After the two-day hike to the lake, they set up camp and decided the next morning that my grandfather and another guy would try to catch some fish. The other three young men would go collect berries. The next morning they did just that. My grandfather walked to the far side of the lake and his friend was on the side nearer to camp. The fish were biting and he had caught a few when all of a sudden he started to feel uneasy as if he were being watched. The hair on the back of his neck seemed to stand on end and then he got a whiff of a foul rotting stench. He started to look around and directly behind him only 20 to 30 feet away were three giant human-like creatures covered in dark brown hair from head to toe standing at the tree line. My grandfather was a large man around 6 feet 4 and the smallest of the three creatures was just as tall as him, however, it was much wider at the shoulders and much thicker. According to what he was looking at the next creature was a foot taller and then the third was even a foot taller than that one 
putting each of them at six feet or better. The next one was over seven feet and the other one was over eight feet tall. He was overwhelmed with adrenaline from fear and panic. He wanted to run, however, these three giants staring at him were blocking the only direction that he could run. The only way he could get away would be to leap into the lake and swim. He decided his best option was to calm down and keep doing what he was doing. He cast in his line and began to fish again. Shortly after that, he caught another nice trout, and while reeling it in it dawned on him that these creatures may be here for his fish. He unhooked the trout and tossed it to them. The smallest of the three stepped away from the tree line and retrieved the trout and brought it back to the other two. So he continued to toss fish to them. The smaller the three Bigfoot continued to retrieve the trout. After a while, he landed a really nice fourth trout. He went to toss it back to them but they were gone. He then grabbed his equipment and ran around the lake in the direction of the other friend. After finding him he said that they need to get the hell out of there and began to tell him what happened as they headed back to camp. When they got to camp the other friends were already there picking up camp gear and in a hurry. They stated that they ran across three giant hairy creatures while out berry hunting. It took the group only a day to hike back out downhill. They did not know what they had encountered. They had never heard of anything like that in the 1930s since the term Bigfoot had not been known. After that trip, they never went back to Mount St. Helens. They changed the location of their yearly backpacking trip. My grandfather stated it wasn't until the 1967 Patterson or Gimlin Bigfoot film was shown in theaters across the nation that he finally had a name for the three giant creatures he had a close encounter with. It was back sometime in 2019, late in the year. One of my friends, whose name is Ted, saw something in the middle of the night. Tired and feeling fatigued, he woke up, rolling out of his bed, to head to the bathroom, and then the kitchen for a late night snack. Whilst indulging in his snack, he began walking around his living room until he made his way to the back of the house window. It was on the second floor by the kitchen to which while staring outside at whatever. A sudden figure in his backyard caught his attention. The yard is huge, and nothing really in it aside from two trees. One of which has since rotted and fallen down. He noticed a bit past the since rotted tree was a figure with glowing reds, large snout, and standing at an approximate 7 to 8 feet tall. From seeing the creature reared up on its legs, and judging its size by how tall it appeared to be next to the tree. It also had jet black fur, as well as a muscular physique similar to Arnold back in the 80s, a long snout with very large perked ears similar to a German shepherd or wolf, and what looked to be antlers, or maybe that was just part of its long ears, he doesn't really know because it was very dark. The creature took a sniff, and looked directly at him. As his eyes met the gaze of the creature's eyes, he noticed that the eyes were a shade of blood red, the same color mentioned before. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. But also mentioned he'd seen so many weird things, and such that he wasn't really phased by it in the slightest. He knew what he was looking at was the real deal, and saw its breath in the cold night air. As the creature grunted, and bared its teeth, it also started growling at him. The growl wasn't that of any normal animal but a deep primal guttural growl, nothing like he's ever heard before. The creature then took one last gaze at him, and ran off jumping the fence. He shortly afterwards returned to his room laying in his bed wondering what did he really see. He found it hard to fall back to sleep, but late unluckily did. He still wonders to this day if the creature will ever return, or if he will ever see it again. This encounter was not far away from where I live, but is absolutely horrifying to think about, because we live in the suburbs. To this day he still does not know what he really saw, and it can only be left up to whomever's imagination. I was 8 years old living with my parents outside of Memphis, Tennessee in the late 1950s. On this day it was a warm summer evening. My parents were next door talking to the neighbors. All the kids were running around and playing. 
The neighbors had a station wagon parked in their driveway and the tailgate was down. I wasn't watching what I was doing and while running I tripped and went face first into the tailgate. I split my lip all the way down from my nose through my lip. My upper lip was laid open so I had to go to the hospital. I was terrified of needles and fighting the nurses as they tried to give me a local anesthetic before stitching me up. I was a strong little kid, so three nurses pinned me down and I remember one nurse saying we're going to play cowboys and Indians. We're going to tie you up. They strapped me down, from head to toe. They gave me the shot in my lip, sewed me up, and I went home. After that, I began experiencing night terrors. I attributed that event of getting strapped down and my lip sewed up as the nexus of the night terrors. The nightmare was always consistent. I am at my grandparents' house with all my cousins, like we always did, sleeping on a pallet on their living room floor on the old rug she had there. She'd lay a blanket down and put pillows out. I would lay there with a huge rock on my chest and I can't move any part of my body. I can see up to the top of the rock and over the rock pops a figure. The face is of a character in a TV series that was popular in the late 50s called Kukla, Fran, and Ollie. It is a creepy little character, a weird puppet with a snaggle tooth. The face is looking over the rock and he's laughing at me. He's also talking to me but I can't hear him. I know he's talking because his mouth is moving. Then I see a hand come over the top of the rock, then an arm, and then a shoulder. A figure pops its head up and it's a figure with bony hands. This thing had a teardrop-shaped head and it had big black almond-shaped eyes, just like the pictures you see of an alien gray. This was before anyone had ever described alien encounters or abductions. I see this thing look over the top of the rock and it starts to come toward me. At that point, the dream stops and I would wake up in a panic. The night terror started to wane when I matured and became an adult. I got married, started raising a family, and I didn't have that dream for almost 50-something years. That was until this past year. One night, my wife had gone out of town. I was here at home with the dogs just working and relaxing. I'll read a book for a while, then I'll watch a TV show and go to bed. Well, that's what I did. That night, I had the same old nightmare return. I haven't had it for all those years. I wake up, but not in a night terror state. It's totally dark. No outside light coming through the windows. I started to think that I am still asleep and dreaming. Then I see a figure standing in the doorway of my bedroom and I see its arm up against the wall. I look at this thing and I'm again wondering if I'm awake or if I'm dreaming. The next thing I remember I'm walking through my house with a firearm and I'm checking the house. The dogs are not alarmed at all and are asleep in their beds. I walk back to my bedroom, put the pistol away, and get back in the bed and I fall asleep. It was probably the best night of sleep that I ever had. The nightmare I had experienced that night was exactly the same as I had those many years ago. Why I just had one more nightmare is a mystery because I have had no more since then. One quick note. A few days after this experience, I was in my office working. I had the TV on. Then I heard someone mention Fran Allison, who was the woman from the Kukla, Fran, and Ollie show. I looked up and there was the face of the ugly Ollie character from my nightmares. I didn't panic, but I quickly turned the TV off. I'm currently 30 but was about 17 at this time. I was at a friend's house, two brothers, for the second or third time, deep country. Hung out into the evening and night. The older one, in my grade, randomly brings up some bright light that shines around that isolated area. I didn't think much of it, but they seemed to be down for a little night adventure. We decided to roll a blunt and go sit out in some pasture or field. We sat around, talked, looked at the stars, I didn't even remember what they were talking about earlier. Suddenly, everything I could see lit up like day for a fraction of a second. It was as if a digital camera, three miles wide, was hovering above us and just snapped a picture with a flash on. I remember seeing the hills in the distance, trees, and cows here and there. 
It was over as soon as it started and we all looked at each other, confused. Our expressions all lead to the same reaction and all of us run. We sprinted through pastures and helped each other through barbed wire fences, just scared. According to the two brothers, this was not a rare occurrence in Milheim, Texas. We're not friends anymore, in case anyone wonders why I use that context, I don't have a single clue as to what this was, just that it happened. Freaked me out and blew my mind. Had me feeling like a bacterium in a petri dish, for a moment. I've never heard of anything even somewhat related to this. It seems coincidental that I saw it the same day I was told about it, but that's how it happened. And no, I'm not talking about a spark or light bulb, it was literally like clear daylight for about 2-4 seconds. Clear skies, looking at the stars all night, no lightning or thunder. There was no sound to it. In the small town of Crossland, Kentucky, humble people live simple lives and farm and sell goods to the bigger neighboring per year, Tennessee, and Murray, Kentucky respectively. In the early 1960s, a man named Larry or stumbled upon the snake. Unlike anything common to the area, it was 65 feet long by length and 6 feet by width. In his words, well, I had thought it was a moonshine still until it hissed at me. A sketch of the beast was drawn by his nephew perfectly to his description. It was emerald green with irregular brown splotches on its back and underbelly. Branching off from other snake species, it had a row of human-like teeth and fangs where its incisors would be. Small spikes lined across its back and head and ended off with a crest between its eyes. As the story spread, journalists from around the US flocked to get a glimpse of the creature that scared the residents of Crossland. Hunters and trackers also attempted to catch the creature to no avail. In 1977, an expert snake hunter finally caught the beast but was revealed as a fake as the snake was less than half the size and actually from a circus which was in the area at the time. During the era of the snake, livestock and pets mysteriously disappeared with the only remaining evidence were bells, collars, and blood. The early 80s proved the end of the snake overturn as residents of Crossland, now part of per year, Tennessee C Part 1, and their town have faded into obscurity. Before I end this off, this is 100% true. Crossland, Tennessee exists and evidence of the snake hunt can be in many local newspapers from that time and region of the Tennessee and Kentucky state line. As many wonder on about the past terror of a monstrous snake, could it happen again in those deep, dense cornfields, the dark dreary woods of the night, or the muddy, murky waters of the creeks and marshes? One thing is for sure, snake season is spring. This story is from my girlfriend's perspective, and she still to this day has no idea what she encountered. So to begin, this story happened back in 2018. I arrived in this small, rural town near Cape May. The company I was working for at the time was sending me out to go door to door, advertising cable and Wi-Fi that they wanted me to sell. I was getting weird vibes all throughout the day, as the town itself was very small and a bit creepy, with people staring at me or giving me the cold shoulder for the entire day. It seemed like a lot of the townsfolk that I encountered that day were on edge, and it was a weird tense atmosphere that I shrugged off, as people are weird all the time. I continued doing my job, chugging a Red Bull to keep me going, which didn't affect me at all surprisingly. Besides the weird atmosphere, the scenery was actually quite pretty once you got off of the main road. I had to stop at different streets, and some were in the woods on long and seemingly beautiful endless roads. It was quite scenic. Just before sunset, I was scheduled to visit a few houses on a small peninsula. To get to this peninsula you had to go down a very long road, past a summer camp area, past a trailer park, past the woods, and then you finally find yourself in a small open area with a bay marsh, a couple small expensive houses, and shore access. The houses were so close to the water it seemed to be a code violation, but I'm sure they were built to withstand storms since they looked so expensive. 
Every house had its own theme, and the area was mostly deserted. Only one house had someone inside, whom I had talked to after knocking on his door. I was so distracted looking at the houses and scenery that I didn't notice how fast sunset was approaching. I came to the realization that I should start heading back, to avoid being alone on that long deserted pathway in the woods. As a smaller female, I'm never comfortable after dark in isolated places, especially without cell service. I was making my way down the path, so far so good, as it wasn't completely dark yet. As I approached the wooded area of the road, I was walking a bit faster, since there were no street lights and the sunlight was rapidly disappearing. As I walked at a decently fast pace, I noticed something. The woods were eerily quiet. All the life that I was hearing before was gone. No crickets, no birds, just pure silence. I stopped in my tracks, and got chills down my spine as I felt the feeling that I was being watched. I looked around the dark woods for any sudden movements and then, like clockwork, something up ahead made its way out of the tree line. It looked to be some type of large animal. My brain went into overdrive analyzing whatever this animal was. Was it a bear? A dog? No. It looked like a large dog. But, dogs don't get this big. Though I was intimidated by its large size, whatever it was hadn't noticed me. Even though I was scared, I also didn't want to walk back and go into that one man's house. As a woman I would rather take my chances with a wild animal than be alone with a man I don't know in a deserted holiday neighborhood. Suddenly, as I was thinking this, the large animal in the distance had finally noticed my presence. It was observing me, not entirely sure of what to do with me. There wasn't enough light anymore for me to see the animal's face, but I felt unusually frightened. Whatever I was looking at was definitely too big to be a black bear, with a shoulder height of at least 5 feet on all fours, which is comparable in size to a brown bear. The mass on this creature was extensive, as the outline of what I could see looked like a wolf on steroids. It was very muscular. I also noticed that the outline of its face was very similar to that of a German Shepherd or a wolf, as it had perked ears and a long snout. In the heat of the moment, I could only hear the sound of my heart palpitating as fear and adrenaline started to crawl its way into my bloodstream. It felt as if time stood still, and then it dawned on me. What I was looking at wasn't a normal animal, and it was simply too big to be any animal that I could recognize from New Jersey's catalogue of fauna. And, if it wanted to attack me, I would be powerless against it. It was simply too big. Though, to calm myself down, I threw the idea that this creature was out of the ordinary out because I felt like this could be rationalized somehow. I made my brain go back to the idea of this being maybe being a large dog or coyote. I also did not believe in cryptids, and was completely unaware of what size coyotes are supposed to be, so I made a quick decision. Realizing that this could very well be a life or death situation, I came to the conclusion that this very large dog-like creature was probably a skittish coyote that I could scare off, at least temporarily, to calm down my nerves. What other choice did I have? The longer I kept standing there, the more aggressive I might come across to this animal, and I didn't want it to get territorial or get the idea that I was easy prey. So, I decided I would make the most hideous, loud, confusing, and startling scream or howl I could muster and just sprint the rest of the way. After I screeched this hideous sound out of my body as hard as I could, the animal quickly changed its body language to defensive, but then it quickly changed its mind to deciding I wasn't worth a fight as it ran a decent distance into the woods, not too far though. I decided to sprint as fast as I could pass that area and beyond. I sprinted until I reached the end of the road, and noticed there was a summer camp area with street. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Lights near me. I rested on top of a table there, out of breath and feeling my heart pound out of my chest. However, I was still very shaken up and still felt like I was being watched. I kept my eyes on the tree line. My eyes were darting around, looking for any sign this animal was still there. Once I felt like the coast was clear, I located the next house I was scheduled to visit, and I quickly made my way over. I met a nice family who ended up buying cable from me, and I told them what had happened to me that night and how I was treated by the locals. The lady of the family who I presume to be the mother said I don't know why they sent you out here alone. These woods are dangerous after dark, and there are creepy people who live around here. The impression she was giving me was that there were animal encounters she couldn't explain, and that there were lots of ex-convicts in the area, and people who should have been arrested but haven't been. She was equally concerned about the people as she was the animals around this place. This gave me goosebumps. How many times today could my life have been taken? They were extremely concerned for my safety and told me to contact my team leader so I could get picked up. They said they didn't want me to go outside again and that I should call it quits for the night and not make it to any other houses. Till this day, I still have no idea what creature I had encountered. There are strange things in the woods, things people don't speak about or cover up. I felt like the townsfolk of that town knew something about what I encountered. So, weird creature I encountered in those woods, let's never meet again. I moved in with my boyfriend a few months ago. We live in Atlanta. One night we were laying in bed and I heard a sound I never heard before. It sounded like a cougar mixed with a human scream. It's so hard to describe. I said, did you hear that? He said no leave it alone. At first, when I heard it I thought it was a hurt animal and I was concerned and also just wanted to know what could possibly make that sound. It made the sound three times and stopped after my boyfriend told me to stop talking about it. The thing I can't wrap my head around is there are no woods nearby. Even if it was a cougar how did it get in the middle of a major city without being reported or spotted? My husband was driving down South Carolina back roads and he encountered something strange. He describes it as a large dog that's all black and cast no shadow, with the red reflective eyes of a creature in headlights. It looked like it was a void, shaped like a canine, with the eyes. He avoided it and kept driving, but said he saw the eyes in his rearview mirror for 3 miles, keeping pace with his car at 60 miles per hour. The only thing I can think of that's somewhat similar is the not deer, but it's not close enough? I don't know, just looking for some theories on what that was. Hiking with my scout group a few years back. We usually just follow the roads but one of our leaders knew the area and told us about a 3 kilometer little trail that would lead us straight through the woods and cut about 2 hours from our planned route, giving us more time to chill in the evening. 
So we took the trail and after about a kilometer came across a campsite, nothing unusual just a regular tent, small campfire set up but not yet lit in a few dishes. Then we heard some noise, like someone trying to scream. So we investigated and found a little girl, about six, tied up and muffled in the back of the tent. We asked her who she was and how she ended up tied and muffled on that little trail but she only spoke Dutch so I had to translate for the rest of the group. She said her uncle had taken her out to go camping for a few days and that once they'd arrived here he told her not to leave and tied her up to make sure she wouldn't, we assumed he was a quote kid lover and going to our her or else straight up kill her, so we took her back to the main road called the police and when they arrived and took care of the girl a few of the officers asked us to lead them to the camp. When we got back there, the tent was gone and the fire was broken up to make it seem like there had been nothing there, but you could tell there had been a campsite and we saw footprints all over. So we assumed that the uncle of the little girl had either seen us talk to the girl and take her away or else came back from wherever he was to find the girl gone and assumed he was found out and packed up the tent quickly and noped out of there. I shudder to think what would have happened to the little girl if we hadn't hurt her or found her. Edit to clarify, we were 8 guys between 12 and 16, some of us were actual bodybuilders, or as close as, and tall AF. I assume he thought if we'd seen him we'd beat him up, which we absolutely would have. We were also thought some very basic but effective self-defense by the scout leaders in case of any problems and were told to carry our camping knives in full view to deter problem seekers. Most of my life, mostly childhood, I've seen gray humanoids, about the size of an adult person that live exclusively on the ceilings of buildings. I used to call them heights because when I was afraid to go on the top bunk or have a shoulder ride indoors, people said I must be afraid of heights. I was like three when I started calling them that, and just never bothered to rethink it. Nowadays, knowing that there are people who study beings like that, I'm interested to know if anyone has seen them other than me. I started seeing them in rural Tennessee, then rural Idaho when we moved, but stopped seeing them as much when I moved to the city, but I'm sure if I cared to look, I'd still see them occasionally to this day as there's a very particular calming energy they bring about. I do want to note that even though I was initially afraid of them as a kid, I very quickly found that the heights were not malicious at all. Lost objects would show up in the tops of cupboards, my hair would be pushed out of my face at night by cold hands, etc. It was more like they were just there. Watching, taking care of me. They're completely gray, humanoid, and either have very vague facial features or none at all. Long fingers, perpetually freezing cold, and as I said before, very gentle and kind. No one I've ever talked to has seen these, but I know that the things moved or found to be higher up than any of my siblings could reach were all also seen by my family. Does this ring a bell for anything? Or am I overthinking a simple childhood friend? Thanks. I was on a bike tour through the Baltics. Somewhere in Latvia I hiked off the road to find my camping spot for the night. Normally I like to set up just before sunset, but this day the ride was flowing and I lost track of time a little so it was dark by the time I started to look for a place to settle in. I hiked through some thick, for walking a bike at least, brush for about 10 minutes before I came upon a spot that looked perfect. A little clearing just big enough for my tent and my bike. Set the bike down and shined my headlamp around and started stomping to find the softest place to pitch the tent. Out of the corner of my eye I saw something on one of the trees. When I looked up I realized that this ring of like five trees each had massive animal skulls hanging on them so suddenly it was like I was being stared down upon by this ghostly audience. I turned around quickly to get my stuff and bumped into something I hadn't noticed hanging from a branch. It was an old woven plastic bag of rope that tore open when I bumped it and spilled rope at my feet. I hustled the F out of there and rode about 5 more miles down the road before trying to find a camp spot again. Pretty sure it was just someone's badass forest chill zone but when you're not expecting it man, 
Suddenly it feels like you're gonna be the next sacrifice. My then girlfriend and another couple went camping at Red River Gorge in Kentucky. We hiked in a couple miles and set up camp. Then after a day hike we went back out to a store to grab supplies, example beer. In the store, some guy made a comment about the other girl with us being hot and her boyfriend was a military type and really bucked up and threatened the guy. We made our way back to camp as it began to get dark and heard a rowdy group of hikers behind us which was odd given the remoteness of the area we'd set up camp in the hour of day. That's when they yelled out to us, saying we looked like we knew how to find a good spot so they were following us in. They kept going another 150 yards or so and over the course of the night we hear them shooting guns off so we instantly put our campfire out and lay down to sleep because we had camped on a ridge high enough that we couldn't get hit by a stray bullet so long as we were laying down. While we'd planned to stay another day, we just hauled out the next morning to find that the military guy's car had been smashed up a bit. Having gotten out of the forest our phones were now working well enough that we were able to call the state police. As we waited, a guy and a girl from the group came off the trail and apologized saying that one of the guys in their group had done way too much cocaine that night, flipped out and ran through the wood in his underwear to his car and had taken off in the middle of the night, and that he must have been the one to have hit us. As the troopers arrive, we recount the events. The couple says they don't know the guy's name or really anyone else in the group because they just met a few of them in jail the night before. So then the rest of the group begin to saunter out and the cops search them. No more coke but still plenty of pot and several guns. They cite them for possession of marijuana, small amounts, give them back their guns as we're sitting there having just given statements against them, and the cops prepare to take off. I freaked out and told them we'd need a police escort out of town and that another officer needed to keep this group back so that we had a head start, which thankfully they did. The cops plan A though was to leave us with coke-fueled gun-toting crew who just got out of jail and with new citations because of statements we made in a remote part of a large natural forest preserve. That was their plan A. This story takes place about four months ago, when I scoffed at the existence of mysterious creatures unknown to science. At night, I was investigating odd sounds I was hearing. I looked around the area and found large claw marks on a tree. I concluded that this was a prank until I heard an ear-piercing shriek. I looked up, and suddenly, a reptilian creature flew above me. I quickly ran after it, but it disappeared into the night sky. Ever since, I've been hunting this beast, hoping to catch it. It was about the size of a tall human. Any idea what this creature could be? What should I use to lure it in? So I've seen a good amount of strange and unexplainable things in my life, but the most recent one happened after I last moved across state. I was in the habit of taking late night walks, and everybody who does the same usually has a story of something interesting that they've seen. But one night I was walking along a jogging path, on one side a bunch of housing areas and on the other a large open field with woods on the other side from me. To give you a picture of this there's short street lamps all along this path, and a good ways ahead are a few house with the woods mentioned before running behind them, the woods being on my left side. The fence goes to them then goes left as does the path. When I was just about nearing them, I saw a creature start running towards the woods from the corner of the fence. From where I was it looked like a hairless, tailless small humanoid that ran on all fours. It ran similarly to how a monkey or chimpanzee would run. Now we have plenty of foxes in that area, it was roughly the size of one, and I was a good distance away from it. But when it got into the woods I heard all sorts of twigs and branches snapping really loudly, something a fox wouldn't do. From what I saw it was sort of a peach or paler skin tone. I wasn't scared, more of just confused as to what I had just witnessed. It happened last year just before winter and I haven't seen it since. This was in Missouri if anybody is curious.
Two friends and I went hiking at a nearby river trail. About two miles in, my friend said a nonchalant owl and I looked behind me to see a massive copper head on the ground and fang marks on her leg. It happened in an instant. We began walking back immediately, but the swelling and pain got so bad that I had to carry my friend. My friend that got bit was singing American traditional songs like this land is your land in an eerie tone, along with somewhere over the rainbow, over the course of the walk back and drive to the hospital. Thankfully, it was a pretty dry bite, even though their leg was 2.5 times its original size. I was just terrified the whole time. Nowhere near as bad as some other stuff on here though and I'm so thankful they're okay. Afterward, their dad, an older Chinese immigrant, bought massive snake boots for them, which was just about the most out of character but hilarious thing I had ever seen. Years ago I went to a local swim spot with a friend and my ex-boyfriend about a mile or two in the woods. There usually wasn't many people there but that day there was a boy scout troop at the normal spot we would swim so we went down a bit farther. My friend and I got in the water before my ex, I think he was smoking. We saw an old man downstream a bit and didn't think much of it until all of a sudden the man stripped down naked and proceeded to move towards us upstream. My friend and I never moved so quick to get out of there and my ex could tell by our urgency we had to get out of there as soon as possible. We told him what we saw as we headed back to the car but I will never forget how shocked I was at what had happened. I was walking along a stream looking at the rocks in it when I saw this unusual bright red rock. I bent down to pick it up but before I touched it I realized it was bright red because it was covered in fresh blood. I looked around and discovered there was more blood all over the place, so I followed its trail and investigated. Long story short, there was a stick on the ground that was completely covered in blood on only one side. I imagine someone had used it to twist a makeshift tourniquet on their arm, but the stick fell off and they started bleeding profusely. As they walked, a large amount of blood was dripping right next to their tracks, presumably from an arm injury that was bleeding and dripping off their hand. Eventually they left a huge glob of blood on the ground near this mask and surgical glove, both of which were completely covered. My guess is someone had been shot in the arm and was trying to stop themselves from bleeding to death. I notified the police, and two eventually came out to meet me and see. I showed them where it was, and the one officer pretty much immediately told me he'd be taping off the area and collecting evidence, and then he called someone to check with local hospitals to see if someone had come in with a bleed injury. I've also come across random clothing in the woods, like a single perfectly good shoe or a ripped belt or shirts. The only reason I can think of someone randomly just leaving a single shoe is if they were being dragged or carried into the woods, or running from someone. I went camping with my girlfriend, wife now, off the Appalachian Trail in the North Georgia mountains. We camped about 100 yards off a fire road which we drove up in my truck. I had firewood in the bed of my truck I chose not to haul to the campsite. I noticed just before dark the quantity of firewood seemed lower than I remembered. I thought nothing of it at the time as we were a 45 minute drive from anywhere and was fairly certain there were no other hikers or campers close by. Nearing midnight I decided to get a couple more pieces of wood. My wife was not comfortable being alone in the woods so she walked to the truck with me. There was no moon that night so I grabbed my flashlight. I also grabbed my gun. My wife asked me more than once if a gun was really necessary. When we got to my truck, we heard rustling about 20 feet away in the fire road. I shined my light in that direction and we see a middle-aged man and two teenaged boys. They were filthy with tattered clothes, certainly no hikers. There were also no homes for miles. Think the movie Deliverance. The man asked, y'all got any sticks? I replied nope, grabbed the last couple pieces of wood and returned to our campsite. I told my wife within their earshot, that's why I brought a gun. Never saw nor heard them again. 
Several years ago a friend and I stumbled across a scene from a horror movie. We had been taking weekend surf trips out to the coast over the summer and one spot we'd been going to we had a run-in with some locals that left us not wanting to go back to that spot. I spent some time looking at maps and Google Earth trying to find new spots, a large portion of the coast is wilderness where I am, so finding roads and access to the coast can be tricky. Found a road that was the access road for an old no longer active landfill that got quite close. The next time we went surfing the waves were just so mellow it wasn't even worth getting in the water so we decided to go scout this road I had found. Found the turn off the main highway and not far from the highway encountered a gate blocking the road but there was tracks that went around the gate through the forest, pretty rough but our vehicle managed it fine. Continued along this gravel road for another 5-ish minutes before we started encountering bits of trash just kind of scattered along and in the road. It was also pretty apparent this road hadn't been used or maintained in a while as the forest was starting to reclaim it, branches and brush making the road quite narrow. Pretty soon we arrived at a clearing that was the landfill, large unnatural hill with bits of trash poking out of it. The road kept going a bit farther and soon terminated in a turnaround with room for several cars to park. We got out and were poking around trying to figure out how to get down to the water. This particular bit of coastline is quite cliffy and you could tell the forest between us and the ocean was very steep, you could see the ocean through the trees but you could also couldn't see the shore because of how steep the terrain was. We had our dogs with us, and they found a trail pretty quickly so we followed them down the trail. It couldn't have been more than 100 from the car I noticed more trash all over the place, but it took a minute to register what I was actually seeing. Someone had collected old discarded children's toys from the landfill and tied them to the trees all around the trail. Some were hanging from nooses, others were tied to trees. They all had their bellies cut open and eyes cut out or removed. Probably 2030 that we noticed, representing hours of mutilating child's toys. Creepy as F. I want to start out by saying I wasn't there to see it. This event happened three years ago at Yosemite National Park to two new friends of my parents. The couple is from Sweden and only has been living in the United States for two years but are very active and experienced hikers. Being unfamiliar to Yosemite's geography, they hire a hiking guide. I forget if they were taking a break on the hike or taking a picture when the tour guide fell several hundred feet off the side of the mountain. The wife tries to go down to rescue PR check the tour slash hiking guide but fell roughly 40 feet on loose rock and broke her tibia. The husband has to hike back 3 hours down the mountain and out of the forest to find help and then bring a rescue team to back to where his wife and the guide had fell at while being very unfamiliar with the national park. The husband and the rescue team found the women and guide right before night fell. Unfortunately the guide was found dead. I really can't say if the death was quick or agonizing. I was walking up a trail, about 6 miles in, and I see through the trees ahead of me a light colored object in a clearing by a dead tree. As I get closer the object starts to take shape and I realize it's a person. As I get really close I realize the person is not wearing a stitch of clothes. He does however have a backpack on. I stop, say hey how's it going? He proceeds to tell me about how the deer stole all his clothes during the night leaving him with only his backpack and a hat. I've known deer to eat holes in people's stuff, even chew on saddle leather, to get to the salt but this seemed excessive. I offered the guy assistance but he declined. All I could think about was this guy's got six more miles to go to the trailhead and he's gonna do it stark as naked with a backpack and a hat and that's it. Just last weekend my mom and her husband went hiking at a dispersed camping site near Mount Evans and came across a guy with a shovel who claimed to be doing fire mitigation. Except he was wearing a nice button-up shirt and nice jeans and white shoes. He kept telling them to go check out a trail that wasn't there and he had a gun in the back of his waistband. 
Even weirder he claimed to live at a cabin my mom had walked past at the site and his silver truck was there but when he said he was going to go home he walked past the cabin and truck down this road while my mom and her husband took off. I personally think they walked up on someone either hiding a body or hiding some evidence. He had a southern accent. I went hiking with my grandfather in the mountains of Colorado a few years ago. I saw what looked like garbage of the path down a slope. I said hey I'm a pick it up BRB. I climbed down some rocks and there I found a small shrine to a dead girl. There were pictures of her with her friends and painted rocks all over. I couldn't figure out who it was but she looked to be in her early 20s in the pictures. And from what I could tell, still in college. My grandfather managed to climb down and said that she probably fell or something. That's common in Colorado where rock climbing is popular. Sometimes I think back and wish I never found that spot. It felt so depressing. I, 23 female, was driving to park my car at a trailhead the night before starting a backpacking trip and the plan was to meet my friend at the trailhead. Google Maps took me down a dirt road and I immediately lost service and it got dark out or started to pour rain. After seeing no one for over a m hour on this road I come across a guy riding his bike alone down the road and he starts flagging me down and begging me to stop for him. He eventually convinced me to pick him up and take him into town. Ended up being a super nice guy but man was I terrified when I first came across him as I already had a bad feeling about how the drive was going. My friend also wasn't happy when I pulled up to trailhead with a stranger in my car. Hiking in Banff National Park. It was about 2 am on the second night of a 3 day hike. I wake up to this noise. Thump scrape, thump scrape. Over and over again. And it sounded close. Like really close. It would stop for a while, then when I thought it was gone, there it goes again. No idea what it was, and my tent mate was asleep, and for once was not talking in his sleep. He would not wake up. So I decide to check it out. I am a white guy. We are supposed to go check out strange noises in the dark, right? Unzip the tent, and five feet away is a mule deer. Digging at the ground and licking the dirt. Just keeps doing it and looking at me. So I go back to bed. Anyway, turns out there is very little salt in the area. If you pee on the ground, deer come and lick the pee like a salt lock. It is either that or the bone boat. Not really a hike but a walk saw there was this abandoned house that the homeless children would stay in and people left heaps of expired food on the doorstep for the kids. Holy s it stank. Saw something stuffed in the crawl space vent on the side of the house and checked it out. I realized it was the top of a black man's head, I was terrified and turned around and walked away as fast as possible. This was one of the worst parts of town so I didn't do anything but I still think about it. About 8 years ago I went on a hike with my sister. We smoked a blunt swisher sweet split and emptied, then filled with weed, in the car beforehand and were very baked as we started the hike. About 20 minutes into the hike we see what looks like a patch of hair sticking out of the ground. I make a joke about it and she starts to get really freaked out. I look closer and sure enough it looks exactly like human hair. We sat there for a good 10 minutes contemplating what to do even considered calling the cops. Finally got tired of the eerie dread and pulled at the hair. Turns out there's patches of grass that look just like human hair. My eldest cousin was hiking the backwoods of Alabama with his wife. About halfway through their day, he noticed that someone was shadowing them. He calmly informed his wife, who was an Air Force captain at the time and the both of them casually stretched so that their concealed firearms could be seen by the person shadowing them. That person stopped following them pretty much immediately from that moment. Different story. 
younger brother of that cousin was out on a hike somewhere out by Mammoth in California and ran into what looked like a S assault in progress. Like any sensible person, he jumped in to prevent what it obviously looked like. After a short scuffle, he got the guy into a headlock, but the woman started shouting at my cousin that it was consensual. After a brief and what I imagine was a very awkward conversation, this cousin is very religious, my cousin let the guy go and apologized. Luckily for him, the couple was very understanding and three actually praised him for stepping in like he did. I went hiking in a national park and there were signs of mountain lions in the area that would be eating in the trees, so there would be a sign that cautions dead animal parts dropping from the trees. I was at a turn and oh my god a tree covered in blood and I hear some kind of whining shrieking from above, I was terrified and I saw the mountain lion slowly killing some kind of deer or elk. I kept eye contact and backed off slowly, I never had adrenaline and a cold flop sweat so fast in my life. I never heard a deer or elk shrieking like that. I was carrying my Ruger 10-22 rifle and I thought about killing the deer slash elk to ease its pain but messing with a mountain lion is not a good thing. I saw some hikers going back and told them that the trail is dangerous and told a ranger of what happened. I still hear the screams. One time when I was in Utah, near Vegas, a couple in their 40s, 50s pulled over and asked me where I was going. I said that I wanted to see Los Angeles and they said they were heading that way. I had been up for a long time at that point so I fell asleep in the back and when I woke up, the guy was lurched over me without a shirt on mumbling something. I kicked him to the other side of their car to get him off and he stared at me all shocked. We were stopped on the side of the road, so I opened the door and rolled out. T felt groggy as f and they took off with all of my stuff was still in their trunk. I still have no idea what was going on. Come to find I was only a few dozen miles from the border and about 40 miles from the nearest town, way off from where they said they were heading. I'm pretty sure they were going to kill me, because I felt like I had been drugged for hours after they left. Luckily some native people rolled up on me and helped me out. Those guys knew how to party. I never went to the cops. <laughs>